You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 154 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Malisha. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. How are you going? I'm good. What's happening in Gina world this week? Well, you know how like you're suddenly becoming this, uh, you know, world famous accomplished yeah. <laughs> artist now, and it's I like, don't know about world know, famous. You just uh, had your first commercial commission on a, an art piece, Val. Your your <laughs> painting, right? Yes, I'm very yes. excited. That was very excited and and it was awesome. It looked amazing. I was incredibly excited and proud of you, Val. So that's very cool. Thanks. So you and then there's the macrame which is been shown off in, you know, beautiful homes everywhere. So like you you you're nailing it and it's like so I'm like I need to I need to lift my game because yeah, like Valerie's so. Valerie's branching out and doing all this cool stuff. So I want you to know, and I'm going to uh-huh. share with the listeners that okay. uh, during the week, I uh, there's something that I've been working on quietly over the years, and yes. uh, I've managed to uh, to nail a new skill. Val, what's your and new skill? So proud of this skill. Okay. Okay. Uh, all my life, well, all my adult life, I've wanted to be able to back a car into a car park. <laughs> not parallel, not the parallel park. I can do that. But, you know, in underground car parks mm. where it's like they're a little bit, the, the, the parks are narrower yeah. to like back in, not go forward because going in forward, is it back it in using just the mirrors, Val? Mm. But can't. But hasn't your car got a camera? No. Oh, really? I it it. They said they put the camera in. They never put the camera in. So I've just Ugh. got this screen that I, I, I've <laughs> I've tried <laughs> I've tried to play videos on it. It doesn't work either. So oh, yeah, it's okay. uh, yeah, I don't, it's quite useless. But so, you should I, probably have had a word to the car manufacturer about I that. Don't, the car dealership. I don't. I don't feel enough um, anything out of this. Felt like I can back my car into okay. just this using mirrors. This is exciting. Mirrors. All right. All right. I, I, I That's need great. More from you. I like a bit more excitement. No, no. Well, I, I will give you my excitement because I'll tell you why. I'll, I'm this is I genu- This is a true story, and genuinely, I'm very, very excited and impressed because yesterday I parked the car in this other spot in our driveway. And yesterday I couldn't go out the whole day. Oh, sorry, it was day before yesterday. I couldn't go out the whole day because I couldn't back the car back out. Yeah. So, so well done to you. So I had to stay home all day because I couldn't car- back the car back out. But this morning my go. partner moved the car. So I am very impressed by this new skill of yours. I think you should, you know. Because there's been times when I'm like, I really want to back it in like those other cars do because it's a 
decent size. It's a big car that I, you know, yes. and it's and and I'm like, I just want to back it in like everyone else. And I'm like, no, because I'll probably you know take the side of you know swipe out someone else's car. And mm. I was always afraid to. But like in the last two weeks, Val, I'm like, no, nah, that's ridiculous. Val's doing paintings and macrame <laughs> and putting herself out there. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to learn to back in to. But car surely cars. that you would actually prefer not to back in because then the bum of your car is accessible where you can get all your gear out surely that actually makes more sense or your photographic gear no no if i'm i would never like i'm not going to park in an underground car park if i'm shooting somewhere i'm I'm parking out the front (laughs) as close (laughs) to where i'm shooting as possible okay Hmm. (laughs) sure Is that why you get so many parking tickets? That was valet. Uh, yeah, no, no, I've t- calmed down on that now. So, but anyway, oh, I guess good. this is not a podcast of about course, parking. So you want to be a backing up? Yeah, into- a car so backer want- upper up. Good idea for a podcast. So tips on parking, getting the rock star car park, mm. how, how to back in, how to parallel park. You know, it'd be a short-lived podcast, I would say. Reckon? Not many episodes. Yeah. Then you could get branch out and do like um, driving stories. And I know we have a lot of professional drivers who listen to the podcast, like mm. a lot of professional drivers who just are on the road all day. They could phone in with their tips. Yes. On parking and avoiding fines. The best, like you could use your riding skills to talk about like the best ways to get out of parking fines. <laughs> yes, that's right. What you um, say, the police officer pulls you over because there's a there's a way to do it to 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 you know maybe not get as big a fine. Yes, that's true. That's true. So this is not a podcast on podcasts about parking and driving. This is a podcast on photography. And one of the things that I wanted to mention this week is that we're super excited because Gina's course, finally, I know we've been talking about it for so long, but it is launched. It is out there. Master the magic of manual mode and get off auto forever. And we have a very, very special offer only to podcast listeners. And you need a very, very special link that is only going to be available for a a certain period. And I'm going to give you that link now because if you go to the regular page on Gina's website, you will not get this special offer. You will not get this link. You will get the regular price for the course. But if you want your opportunity to get uh, the course for free, then go to ginamilitia.com slash manual offer. That's ginamilitia.com slash manual offer. And that is the that is a secret link that is not actually found any other place in the website. And if you go there, you will find out the information on how to get the course for free. And it's only for a limited time and there are only limited spots actually. So hopefully you're listening to this podcast uh, as, soon as, as soon as we're releasing it because <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening it to it too far in the future, the offer will probably have closed. So that uh, URL again, Gina Militia, that's M-I-L-I-C-I-A dot com slash manual offer. And I really, really, really love this course, as I've said. And we know that there are people who have done the course now and they've given us such great feedback on it and that they've learnt, even established photographers have said they've learnt stuff from it 
you know, thought that it be a, would be a refresher and they wouldn't necessarily learn anything new, but they have. It's explained in Gina's unique style, in, <laughs> you know, in her bizarre way that she explains things, but it really, really sticks in your head and the logic makes so much sense. I never thought I would ever say that about Gina, but it's so true. <laughs> and Thanks, it's, I personally love this course because it is the course that got me off auto. I pretty much used to shoot well, probably on Aperture Priority or, you know, Auto Aperture Priority, but then uh, I shoot 100% manual now thanks to this course. So make sure you check out the very special link, com slash manual offer. Now, this week we have a really cool interview for mm. you, haven't we, Gina? Yes, very excited with this one. So Valerie Jardin is a well-known uh, street photographer, uh, well-respected in the photography industry. She's also an amazing teacher. Her, her images are fantastic. And, and do you know what? She, mm. inspired, she shoots mirrorless and, yeah. uh, like, just uh, – having a look at her work and speaking to her and she she comes out with like the way she thinks about photography and in particular street photography there are so many little uh, aha moments you'll hear me through the interview going ah oh, right right it's a completely different way of thinking and it's like yeah. almost if I'm uh, I'm tempted to go out and try uh, Valerie's style of shooting with my street photography because it's just a good way you know to try something Something new. So um, it, it, her her workshops are often sold out uh, a year in advance, and uh, wow. her workshops are all over the world. She's got locations like Paris, um, Rome, Amsterdam, Vancouver, and Melbourne. Uh, so, uh, like. I think you'll you guys will enjoy uh, the uh, interview and uh, get as mu- I hope you get as much out of it as I did. Valérie Jardin, hello, welcome to the show. Bonjour, thank you for having me. <laughs> you say that so well. I feel so Australian talking to you. I'm <laughs> I'm so excited to be talking to you today. Um, I'm loving your work and uh, your podcast. And uh, I have to say that uh, I've got a favourite quote. I like to start uh, the shows with a quote. Uh, and one of my favourites about education is education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire and I think uh, when I hear you talk about street photography I actually just want to grab my camera and start shooting so like you're very generous with your content and you actually inspire people to go out and shoot so it's very rare that you get someone who is not only a great photographer but a great teacher as well so thank you and thanks for your time today thanks well I'm glad to hear that's quite an introduction yeah so um I've been uh I've had a busy day today how was you like you're just starting the day it's early yes, in it's the Monday morning, morning 8 <laughs> well we live in the future and uh I'm, right. in, I'm in Melbourne Australia and I can tell you it's a great day today so you've got a lot to look forward to as someone in the future and you we're here recently in Melbourne. Is that right? Well, it's been, I think, a couple of years, and I'm definitely due back. Uh, if the tri- trip wasn't so 
awfully long from uh, up here in Minneapolis, <laughs> I would come more often. If I seriously, if I lived on the West Coast, I'd make I'd come to Australia every year to teach because I well, I love you guys. I always have Australians on my European workshops. Yeah. And, uh, I've I've have live lifelong friends through through my workshops all the way in Australia. So I have a lot of friends there now, some of my dearest friends. And uh, when I taught there, I just loved it. And I taught in Melbourne and um, I definitely want to come back. It's just that when by the time I make it to LA to catch the long flight, it's like I've been gone for 10 hours already from home because of the, you know, how it yeah, is, layovers yeah, and everything. Yeah. And it's so painful. And so... <laughs> I just wish there was a direct flight. I don't care how long the direct flight is. I just want a one flight only. Oh, you can't. That'd be too long. I'd be going nuts. It's like about 25 hours for you to get to here. <laughs> so whereabouts in Melbourne did you shoot just in a city around oh, uh, yes, the, the heart much of Melbourne? all over. Yeah. We, uh, of course, the alleyways are so wonderful. Yeah. And, uh, uh a little bit of everything. We, I, I was staying at St Kilda, so we yeah. shot in oh, that right. area there, as yeah. well. Didn't need the beach. And yes. Oh, it was just great. I and I was lucky because it was February and it could have been really, really, really hot, but it was very pleasant for that one week that I was there. And uh, I was nervous because when I February here, you know, we're in the minus thirty centigrade, and mm. going to thirty to a uh, plus. 30 to plus 40 centigrade. It's a big jump at that time of year. So I was really lucky that it was very pleasant. And I, I definitely want to come back up to, uh, and I want to go to Sydney as well. Yeah, Sydney's uh, different again. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'm thinking of doing two workshops, maybe three days in each city and, and a little bit of time in between for, for me, because that's the thing. When I teach, I never take time for myself. So I'm yeah. in and out. Yeah, fantastic. Um, so the fir- like you're originally from France. The first thing I noticed when I first went to Paris was how different the light was to Melbourne. Did you did that strike you when you came to Melbourne? Like you would have been there February. It was quite bright if you get a blue sky day. Did you notice? Were you like looking at your <laughs> aperture and going, wow, it's bright? Did you did that strike <laughs> you as the contrast? Yes. Yeah, I, I think as photographers, we're so aware of mm. light and the quality and quantity of light all the time, which mm. is fantastic. You know, whether we have a camera or not, we're so aware of that. And it's funny to talk with another photographer because when, when I say that with non-photographers, they look at me like, what? Yeah. <laughs> There's different light? <laughs> it's very different. And yeah, the light in um, Paris is just uh, just so soft. Uh, yeah. And uh, I don't think I've been there in the peak of summer, but I don't think anyone's there in the peak of summer, right? They all they all get out. <laughs> it's like <laughs> only the tourists are left. <laughs> but yeah, and, and and January light in Paris is very different, and, and I love January. It's actually one of my favorite time of there of year to be to be there because I think it's it has a more authentic feel, probably because there are fewer tourists, and I just as a street. And I, I actually resist the street photographer. I'm a photographer, but yeah. I, you know, because I photograph people and I include people in my photographs, I find that in the winter, you know, people dress nice and they have the coats and the hats and it's just so beautiful. So I think it's another reason why I like winter in Paris um, uh, so much. But uh, yeah, the, the light is soft and I'm hoping that it's not because of the pollution. <laughs> 
<laughs> so everybody says, oh, probably the pollution, you know. I'm like, no, 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 it's just the Paris light. <laughs> exactly. So you're used to uh, photographing in cities like, say, Paris and New York, and uh, Paris is a very elegant city. I, I find that the people are very well dressed. Uh, how did you find the people of Melbourne, <laughs> especially in summer? Because that's a frustrating thing for street photographers. You're always looking for that elegant figure, you know, for, for your frame. Were you finding a lot of people sort of walking through the frame with uh, baseball caps, board shorts, and uh, not, not, not elegantly dressed? Or could you find some well-dressed people? <laughs> well, you know, it's very similar to the U.S., actually. People right. are definitely more laid back and more mm. relaxed and uh, don't dress up to go out the door like they do in, in France. You they know, do. And, oh, that's that's changing. I think two people I, I feel are not quite as um I don't know. They they quite not as picky as they used to be. Mm. <laughs> I should say in uh, in France because I, I mean people do they have their they they're dressed a certain way in their own home and then when they go out the door they change you know and that's how I was brought up that's how my my mom is I'm you know I'm I've been in the U S for so long that I'm like yeah what well, you know it's good I wouldn't go out in sweats you know that's where I draw the line you know but it's like but- you go out in sweats it's like I, I agree. I think like and, and I say to people around me, if I go out in my sweats, it means I've given up. So I yes. do I do have a rule to not do that. I will around the house, but yes. it's like I don't like to go out yeah, in um even though I'm, I'm I do dress very casually. So um you say you grew up in France and uh but and and you're not living there now. Where 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 am I speaking to you from now today? Oh, I'm uh, I'm in Minnesota, in Minneapolis. So you know, north mi- of Chicago mi- and near the near the the Canadian border. Well, just a few hours. Uh, so in the heart of the U.S. on flyover country. <laughs> How long have you been there for? Uh, over twenty years. So over I've been twenty here a years. Long time. Mm-hmm. So when you're shooting, are you, like, are you working out? your exposures in English or like what's your first thought when you wake up is it English or French uh, it all depends. Really? I mean, I'm, I'm quite, quite bilingual now, but uh, if I'm in an English environment, I think in English. Okay. Uh, I switch, like, but I'm in France so often now and I speak French, you know, a lot during yeah. the day. Uh, so uh, I switch to French um, very easily. Um, so it's, it's really both. I think I'm pretty much, it's almost, and I, I didn't learn English until I was in, in middle school, but it's almost like I was raised bilingually at this point. I, I know that from experiencing it through my children who were raised bilingually. Yeah. And I think it's very similar. Um, but, um, I, photograph my English is my photography language. I actually have a hard time I'm, I have fun when I'm with my French photographer friends and we speak French only because I always ask him, okay, what's that? What's that word in, in so French? You don't you know, know the, the French words for certain photography terms, Be- yeah? Because I was not a photographer yes, when I yeah, left home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. That's I interesting. Learned, I, I learned everything I know about photography 
here. And so definitely English. I'm more comfortable. All my workshops are in English. And and sometimes I have French students on my Paris workshops or other, you know, Rome or wherever. And they know that the teaching will be in English. But sometime yeah. when we're one-on-one, -on -one, of course, we'll switch to French. And, and, and so, are so you, have you made up words that are like a combination <laughs> of both to, ex to explain what uh, a certain thing or you'll, you'll just switch back to English if you're not sure what a technical term is? Well, thankfully, the the French, you know, the, the vocabulary is actually quite similar mm. and the French are very, um, uh, Europeans in general are very in tune with the language, the, the English language and, and the vocabulary. And if they're passionate photographers, they will know the vocabulary in English most of the time. So, uh, so it's fine, but it's fun because I feel like I'm learning all the time, yeah. which is so beautiful. I love to learn. So How old are I your love kids? Oh, uh, they're 19 and 23 now. Right. So. And are they following in your footsteps? Do they have an interest in photography? Uh, they're both actually quite good at it. Oh, but fantastic. Not something that they they want to pursue. One is a scientist and the youngest is actually going into video. So oh, who fantastic. Knows? <laughs> fantastic. So you actually came into photography quite late in life. It was like yes. a second career. You, you were originally a teacher, is that right? Well, no, actually, um, I went to school well, for, originally, yes, to be to be an English teacher yeah. as a foreign language, and then uh, went to graduate school in international business. And then I moved to the U.S. and uh, and I quickly <laughs> decided to be my own boss because I'm definitely not corporate America material. Mm. Uh, and so I, I've always worked for myself and I, um, I worked as a translator for many years. And, uh, one day I just picked up a camera and I was in my tw late twenties and, uh, and within a year I was in business. I had opened, um, I was shooting mostly, you know, families and, um, and, at the time, people did not do the candid photo documentary type right. of portraiture. And that's all that I was interested in. Ah. And uh, at the time, people were still bringing their kids for their, you know, their especially Americans are very big on portraits, you know, you have the yeah. birth and then three months, six months, nine months, 12 months. And then, yeah. you know, so you follow children for years, you know, yeah. graduation portraits and so forth. So at the time people were still very much into the corny uh, studio portraits with the fake backdrop and, yeah. you know, the kids sitting on a giant pencil or whatever or yeah. log or for yeah. Christmas portraits. So uh, I hate it that when I came here, it was one thing that kind of, it's like, I hate this kind of photography. That's horrible. <laughs> and so I was start, when I picked up the camera, my kids were very young and, uh, and I mean, they were babies. And then um, I started photographing them in their everyday life and then doing the same thing with my friend's kids and and photographing them, you know, walking through prairie grass. And, and people loved that. And they started yeah. putting those pictures on their walls. And then their friends would ask, who for, who did this? And then uh, pretty soon I was I had clients within just a few months of picking up a camera. I didn't even know. I mean, I was on full auto at the time. I didn't know how the camera worked. I just had vision. And that comes to, you know, that comes to, goes to say that it's really not about the camera. It's no. really about the vision.
and um, the camera did fine on its own. You know, I didn't have any vision, but (laughs) on full auto worked well. And it wasn't until later that I really, you know, delved into it. And then I opened a studio and, and one thing led to another. I quit the, the portrait. I got tired of working with children and families after a few years and, and then um, converted my studio I didn't like the studio for families. I thought kids might as well bring them to the dentist. You know, they, they <laughs> bring lights analogy. and everything. Yeah. The, the, there's it's, no spontaneity anymore. It's clinical, anymore. isn't it? Yes. Yeah. And so I converted the studio into a product studio, and I did that for quite a while. And then started sh- one thing led to another, starting shooting uh, interiors and food. And that's what I did the longest as a commercial photographer Ooh. is commercial and residential interiors, which I love to do. And I still yeah. do. I mean, yeah. I don't do it for clients. I don't shoot for clients anymore. But I still love to photograph interiors because that's really storytelling. And uh, when you work with really talented designers, they're so good at what they do. Mm. And then you document, you know, you photograph the space and all those little details that will, you know, tie the story together. It's just wonderful. So I did that for quite a few years for websites, magazines, and so forth. And, um, and as I was starting to teach, then I slowly uh, quit the commercial business. And just uh, now I'm a full time, uh, I shoot for me only. Yeah, <laughs> I shoot right. for myself, which is awesome. And then, uh, and then I teach and I share my passion and my vision with people all over the world. And I I'm loving it. So 20 years ago, there wasn't a lot of like knowledge out there about photography. Like photographers sort of were very um, guarded about their photography secrets. How did you work stuff out? Did you just do it and work it out as you went? What like was there a mentor? How did you learn the craft? Um, yeah, I learn by doing really, mm. and that's how I learn everything. I uh, I don't even read instruction manuals, and yeah, I know, man, do, me neither. Do as what, I what, say, not as I you? do. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> <laughs> I always tell people, read your instruction manuals. But I just like I'm hands on. So, you know, you just learn. You just learn from your mistakes. I mean, you don't learn from your successes, anyways. You learn no. from your mistakes, and and uh, and that's. That's how I feel. I learned so much that I figure, wow, I can teach now because I can save a lot of time to all those people. I think I can learn. Think I learned from my mistakes, so I can now I can teach what I learned, and uh, and you know, yeah, books. But yeah, I I took a few classes, you know, on lighting when I opened my studio because I, I had no clue how to work with <laughs> studio lights, and, and I did not like that at all. Even yeah. to this day, I I would even if I was still working commercially, I would use um, I would use I love window light Daylight, and yeah. natural light. Yeah. So um, I I like and I think I like the challenge of that um, as much as I like. Well, I think natural is always better in everything but yeah. uh i also find that it's so much more challenging so if it's challenging it's more fun you know i don't like the controlled environment and yeah. and the streets is the least controlled environment of them mm. all and that's probably why i'm so drawn to photographing slices of life everyday life yeah because it's the toughest thing you're going to do as a photographer you don't have a second chance at this this is that fraction of a second that never happened and will never happen again i've heard you talk about the the like the 
was a like you you were like fairly successful with your commercial career. You had the clients coming in, but you talk about the the sort of the little bit of uh, it was destroying your like you found a bit soul destroying that you were constantly um, shooting for clients. Uh, and that takes you work in a certain direction and it's when you found street photography and you started to shoot mm, just because for you that saved Mm -hmm. you and it's like you know the way you talk about photography you're so passionate about and it's actually uh, I know a lot of I've had many conversations with commercial photographers and like I was having one today with someone and he's like very successful and all he could talk to me about was the next big client he was going to pick it wasn't about the craft or the work or how much he loved the light it was about the money and the and he just felt he was quite depressed and it was real like really sad um yeah i <laughs> that's the thing i've never I've never, money has never been my, my number one goal. You know, I figure if you're successful or something, if you love what you do, money will come. And uh, I I was a successful photographer. I mean, I had good clients. I could have definitely, you know, stayed in that, um, that field and continue. But I was the happiest when I was shooting for myself. And I think that it's hard to admit because, you know, technically when you're shooting for yourself, that's not where you make a living, yeah. but it is so necessary. And yeah. I think so many people forget that. And, and at one point, yes, many years ago, I was, uh, when I, when I was still doing mostly portraits, actually, I kind of got burnt out and I didn't want to bring, I didn't want to take my camera out on weekends on yeah. my time off because yeah. I, that's what I was doing. It was, it had become a job and that's dangerous when your passion turns into a job and you, it can kill the passion. And that's when I started working on personal projects. And I, I think that's the key to, um, to a healthy, uh, to a healthy business really is while you're shooting for clients and for many people that they have to, and, and that's awesome. And they have to keep working for themselves and work on personal project to remind themselves constantly why they picked up the camera in the first place and to keep the kind of the fire going. Uh, otherwise, yeah, it becomes just another job. I mean, however, uh, romantic it may seem to be, you know, to turn your photography into a, a, a successful business business it just becomes a job i totally agree i can remember back in 2010 i was working 60 to 80 hours a week and i was shooting but i was only shooting for clients and if i ever went on a holiday or had some time off there was no way that the last thing i wanted to do was pick up a camera and then i went on a trip i went to rome and i took the camera out just because, and can I tell you, it was one of the happiest days to this day of my life to, to spend that day. I was just beside myself. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, so in a sense, uh, doing street photography is uh, what made me fall in love with photography all over again. It was from that day that I then made the effort to uh take regular trips and make sure that I continue to do personal projects. And the really interesting thing that happened is the more I did that, like the the quality of work that I started picking up completely changed because I was putting oh. that work out 
And that was me, 100%. This is what yep. I'm – because I, I had no agenda. I wasn't trying to shoot for anyone or in a particular way. It was just what – I was photographing what I loved. And you, I think there's uh, some – the passion comes through in those photos. So, yeah, I totally agree that that is oh, so important. Yep. Absolutely, because no matter what, and, and I mean, I had some clients who just gave me full creative, you know, freedom. So, okay, do your magic, you know, and, but those are rare. Usually a client will want to kind of direct you. So, you know, you have to compromise, you know, between your vision and their vision. And, um, but when you shoot just for yourself, you only have yourself to please. And I think that's what's so important too, is that now with social media, I think people are really into pleasing others yeah and that's dangerous too you mm. just really have to follow your heart and you when you shoot for yourself you are the only person you need to please i mean other people like it great if they don't what does it really matter as long as you love what you do and it makes you happy and i think people kind of lose that because i mean social media is is amazing but it can also have some uh, some negative impact and you know with creativity because People are so uh, hungry for the likes and the hearts and whatever. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. No, yeah. that's true. Um, so can you remember the first street photo you took and, and how you felt about that and was like, is that still in your folio? Is it a favorite or like, you know, is it long being forgotten? Uh, no, actually I do. Uh, I'm not sure it was exactly the f the first one, but it was one that really mattered to me. And I was actually with my my children. So that was, uh, you know, probably 18 years ago when I think I did street photography without knowing it before yeah. that. But that one kind of... Um, I don't know. I was photographing street performers and it's funny because now I don't even photograph street yeah. performers. It's too easy, but yeah. that's usually how you start because you're a bit intimidated by photographing strangers. And I always encourage my students and you know what? Street performers do matter and they're a good way to get practice because they're not going to get angry. <laughs> they're <laughs> not going anywhere, you know, give them a few bucks and then take your time. It's good practice. And then, and then this, this guy was in, in, in France and, uh, he made eye contact with me and gave me that slight smile just as I pressed the shutter. It was such a special moment. Yeah. I do actually have that print, uh, and you know, on my wall, uh, because it's a reminder I was shooting film. Yeah. Uh, I was still, you know, I was still nervous of getting close. Yeah. I mean, now I shoot everything with a 20, yeah. pretty much a 23 millimeter, but at the time I was afraid, you know, it was intimidating and I'm not a shy person. So it's kind of a reminder because when I teach, you know, uh, people say, Oh, but you're such an extrovert and, and it's so easy for you to talk with strangers or to, you know, to be invisible when you don't want to be seen. But it wasn't always so, you know, we all start somewhere. Yeah. And, and I love that because when I look at it, it brings me back to that day and yeah. that feeling. And I think it's the adrenaline rush you get yeah. when you know you have the, the shot. And it's that special moment when everything falls together. And, uh, and yes, so I, I do, uh, again, it's probably not my first quote unquote street photograph, but it's the one that kind of um, mattered. 
that mm-hmm. that that lit the fire for you. Uh, Probably, I, I, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I look at street photography as kind of a bit like mining for gold. So, like, it's like you yep. go out into the mine each day, and uh, some days you're not going to come back with anything. So, you know, you might it might take you days or weeks or months before you find that little that little speck of gold or the little nugget. So, um, do, do you find it's like that? And as you like, obviously become more discerning in the craft and you you start to to notice what is a good shot and what is a not so good shot like you the sort of the hall each day gets like fewer and fewer images uh do, do do you feel like that about your work that like there's there's less that you're prepared to say well that's a good one that's a keeper oh. Yes. You've like your own worst critic, right? (laughs) Yes. And it's harder and harder, yeah, to satisfy myself, you know, after a day of shooting. I'm extremely critical. What I would consider, even just a year ago, a shot that I would share, I probably wouldn't share it today. So, uh, but that's that's good. You need to raise the bar, you know, when I'm happy with. You know, if I have three photographs in one year that really I'm super proud of. Uh, that said, I'll have dozens of keepers. Yeah. But the photographs that really matter, that really that you feel like, okay, that that I want on my wall, or that's the that's a photograph I'm extremely proud of. It, and it's not always because of the technical perfection. Usually it isn't. It's more it's more the imperfection on the street that makes a photograph special and more emotional. It's really that special moment and. Uh, so yeah, I it's it's harder and harder, but it it takes a while to get there, and I think, um, but it, it, yes, street photography is definitely the the hardest thing you're gonna do because you have you only have control on, of your gear and your vision. You don't have control of, over the street and what people are going to do, and so and you don't have a second chance, but. You know, a lot of people think, oh, it's just photographing people on the street. Well, it's not because mm. there is a lot of a lot of mediocre street photography out there. Yeah. You, you look, it's like, well, okay, there are people crossing the street. Does it – what is that? It could be, you know, footage from a, a security camera. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's nothing there. So it's really either that, that light or that – expression of that emotion i mean there is there has to be something quite strong uh that said you'll get some some keepers that are you know that that are not gonna last i mean that would not make like if i if i go back on my career in a few years and say okay what are the 10 photographs that will that mattered in the past 20 years for example you know i'm not sure I mean, I think it'd be hard to actually yeah. find ten. They might just be five that wow. really I think that define what how I feel about about the craft. Yeah, um, I'm just uh, having a look at your work now, and I'll tell you my favorite images in your folio are your humor ones. They're called oh, humor, really? so I just I absolutely love them. And then I just think uh, there's also uh, I love the minimalist feel to your work as well, and then your use of uh, light. So let's just uh, have a chat about some of your techniques because you do get really close to people Mm -hmm. and so you're shooting on a the fuji mirrorless which i'm going to ask you about in a second but like so and you're 
like uh, what 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 lens is on that? It's quite short, right? You you, you yes. You pre- pre- how close are you when you're close? Oh, sometimes I'm right over the person's shoulder. Okay, so I'm what photographing <laughs> as if I'm looking through their eyes, for example, so I see part of their face and then the scene. Uh, so it's it's a completely silent camera. I shoot with a Fujifilm X100F. Yeah. I started with the, that line with the S and then the T, and now it's the F, and I'm an official uh, Fujifilm X photographer for for the U.S. So um, I fell in love with the Fuji the day I picked it up, and and that's when I sold everything else. Actually, so I went from you know the Canon system with all the beautiful L lenses, nothing yeah. wrong with it, just yeah. wonderful gear, to shooting with a fixed lens that I cannot even remove from the camera. It's not an interchangeable cam- uh, lens camera. It's just a camera. That's it. It's rangefinder type, you know, yeah. with the lens that you cannot remove yeah. at a 23 millimeter, which is a 35 equivalent in a beautiful. full frame. Yeah, beautiful. And it's it's good for everything. I went to Iceland with that camera. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. You're just like, you don't need anything else, really. Where and did I you do street that... photography in Iceland, in Reykjavik? Oh, because it's pretty cool. But, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I did. Uh, a really cool little city. Yeah. But uh, I don't just shoot street. I mean, I shoot everything else. I, I photograph those horses. I photograph the mountains and the the. Yeah. the 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 landscape and uh, so I, I just feel like it's the one lens that that's all you'd ever need and I think the limitations make you a better photographer there's absolutely no doubt um, I see that all the time on workshops you know people tend not so much anymore because I feel like there's hardly a DSLR on any workshop now it's usually uh, all mirrorless cameras Interesting. and uh, yeah I mean it's like you go three back three four years they would be uh, there are 10 participants on my workshop so they would be nine DSLR and one mirrorless that would you know that would that would be there and now uh, it's usually nine and then maybe one DSLR but usually the DSLR shooter also has a mirrorless and the DSLR stays at the hotel all weeks or the whole weekend so uh, they, it's all mirrorless it's and the it's the crop sensor right that's the sexy one that's the retro version in the Fuji line isn't it that because that, that's the one that I'm just like loving sick at the moment I just think oh, it's all and, gorgeous. You know, for street that one you can actually silence the camera completely <laughs> uh, I mean there is you can't even hear it yourself when you're shooting it's completely silent so I, I mean I used to get those shots with a DSLR I mean I shot with a Canon 5D Mark II that was my last DSLR but I had a 20D a 50D um, and those were the cameras that I shot street photography with for years and I didn't work any differently you're just not not as invisible and um, for sure you you're gonna think twice about getting really close when you're in an enclosed environment like a subway for example because the minute you click that shutter people will look up so uh, <laughs> whereas now I have a camera that I never bring to my eye I don't shoot at eye level ever you know and and which gives you a more dynamic look to your to your photograph and then uh it makes no sound so yeah i'm i'm a little more daring as well there are situ there are shots that i can get now that i could not get with a dslr there's absolutely no doubt um because the point of street photography it's not to be sneaky is to not disrupt whatever caught your eye in the first place and right. and if the, the people look up instantly because you bring this huge camera in front of your 
your face and they notice you, well, then there is no shot to be made anymore. So you might as well just walk away. So it's really to be to be invisible and a smaller camera won't won't. Um, you won't be as noticed. You look like a tourist. So that's so, that's the ideal thing. What are you doing when you're in a crowded train and you've got that camera? It's like at your hip, or like are you, do you look away, Do you look the other way so that that like you're not even looking at the person that you're photographing? Is it sneaky like that? I wear I mean, it makes me nervous. It makes me nervous just thinking about that. That actually makes me nervous, and I'm not a nervous person. Of the, the thought of being caught. Have you been caught many times? Oh, yeah. I mean, people will ask. People will even ask me, "Did you just take my picture?" I said, "Yes." It was such a wonderful moment. And uh, oh, so I'm you won't say no. You will just you'll admit it straight up. I oh, took your photo. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. good. The worst. Yeah, the worst thing you can do is actually lie to the people or, or run away. No, it's, people don't know what street photography is most of the time. And, and, you know, you just tell them, yeah, I'm documenting life on the streets of New York or Paris or Minneapolis or Melbourne. You know, people say, I'm really intrigued by that. And they love it. Um, and they say, well, did you just photograph me? I said, yeah, I just really, really love the light, you know, falling on you or you had such a cool hat or you just look you know, look so cool with those sunglasses, you know, people love a compliment. And so as long as the the photo is in the camera, I, I don't mind talking with the people after the point is not to not, not to disturb the what I saw. So that's why you have to be it, it looks sneaky, but it's not that you just need to be invisible to get the shot that caught your eye. After that, it doesn't matter if people come and interact with you. I'm, I'm more than happy to talk with them, but uh, never tell them, oh, no, 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 I wasn't photo- photographing you. Most of the time, people never know I photograph them and I just walk away. They don't know. And I only capture a beautiful moment. I'm not making ridicule of them. Even in my um, one of the hardest thing you, to to do in street photography is really to convey humor yeah. In, a, yeah. in, a, in a frame and not only to see it, but to capture it in that short moment. But I never make ridicule of people. You know, yeah. they're just there. It's just everyday life. Yeah. Uh, and so I never photograph people in vulnerable situations or in moments of crisis or um, in ridicule. And I have photographed people. And that, I mean, some great photographs that I never published because I felt, no, that's crossing the line. They, if, if it was me on that picture, I'd hate to be out there. Right. Or if my, my mom saw me on like this, she would be, you know, she would be embarrassed or whatever. So I always put myself in the shoes of my subject and, um, and, if, if I feel like if it was me on that picture, I would feel really uncomfortable about it being out there, then I don't put it out there. So it's It seems to be that like there's a couple of things going on in your street photography. They're the ones that are like the images that are gifted to you, like they just happen before your eyes and you have the skill to frame it up and capture it and like the – you're able to get so close that you can get and it is that that ability to get very close that you feel that you're right in the moment so that's one style the other style is where it's almost like you you create the shot not not necessarily as in you're putting people in the frame but you you find the frame and then you're waiting for the right person to walk through which is my my preferred style 
of uh, street photography. But now after speaking to you, I'm going to have a go at this commando <laughs> style. <laughs> you know, where I'm going to wear my sunglasses and I'm going to get on a train and I'm going to sit next to someone and, uh, you know, <laughs> see what I can get. So, so that waiting for that that person, the right person to walk through the frame or ride through the frame. So is that like – it's quite an adrenaline rush when, when you know, oh, yeah. that, you, like you go, oh, this just needs someone in a hat or with, you know, on a bike yep. and there they are, the shadows are right and you go bang and you get it. Like it's quite exciting and, and you do that beautifully the way you – and it's just like almost it's one person. You know, in yeah, a, and I'm a very minimalist yeah. uh, photographer. I mean, in everything, I, I I like I like simple, and um, I don't like clutter. And um, so, yes, when you find, and I'm very, I, I love shooting architecture, and I did that quite a bit too uh, throughout my career, and and I still do. I love architectural. You can abstracts. see that the love of architecture in your work. You know, the lines, and uh, yeah, it's quite beautiful. And, and sometimes I don't include people, but but I just love having that human element. So I'll yeah. find the the right architecture, the right angle, and then I figure, okay, I sometimes I have five minutes, sometimes I may have thirty minutes, and I, I but I won't settle. And I think that's where you say it, you do it well. It's because I don't settle. I rather not press the shutter on a boring subject. Yeah. Then, then and so I. I, I won't press the shutter until I have the shot I envision. And so it sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. I never, ever, ever stage anything. I never ask someone, could you walk through there or whatever. Uh, if I did that, like just that would be just on a workshop where I want to, you know, present something. I like, I actually do walk <laughs> through to show my student. Okay. This is, this would be the ideal shot and I would show them. Right. Uh, that's not the only time that we would do that is in a, in a, uh, classroom situation. But when it, when I'm shooting on the street, I, it's always serendipity. I ne- would never force it. And then I, um, or I would not even, show the picture i would get no satisfaction out of staging anything it I doesn't think that feel this, right for you that it, no, it, it oh was well, fabricated yeah and it it defeats the purpose and it's just not street photography you know mm. it's it's uh it's working with a model at that point if you tell the person what to do so it, it is a completely different thing i'm not saying it's wrong it's just not candid street photography and and it doesn't have that level of difficulty so to me it's getting the the right Subject, but I yeah I won't settle if I feel like that scene requires somebody like a woman with a long dress or somebody with a fancy hat or something I will wait for that and if it doesn't happen it doesn't happen but I'm not going to settle for just an average uh, person with a backpack that's just not going to make a, a very pl- pleasing silhouette for example I mean I'm really really picky, picky. and yeah and I think you have to be I mean yeah. if you don't if you don't ever raise the bar and look for the 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 best possible shot you always have to envision the best possible scenario you know sometimes you'll you'll settle for something that's pretty good but um you know something that you didn't even suspect would come through and that might even be better than what you envision but you should not settle for like oh, okay well i have to go now so oh well, this guy just walks through that's good enough and then it's just a terrible because it doesn't matter how small the human element is going to be in your frame it becomes the focal point and 
And even though there can be very tiny, that's what draws the eye. Mm. And uh, so it has to be the the right the the right figure, the right stepping. There has to be separation. You know, even if they're very small, there has to be all those elements. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's all about being discerning, really. Is there a shot that you? haven't got yet that you dream of getting like this is the ultimate street photography shot it's got all these elements in it and this would this is what it looks like do you daydream about that no because i feel if i if if i already think that that mean i probably saw it somewhere else Right. And then it's not my shot. Right. I, I would, you know, I think it's all about authenticity and shooting um, sh- shooting with your heart. And I said that before, and it may sound kind of strange. But, no, I like that. Uh, it's responding to your emotion. And, um, like, like if, if I see a great shot by somebody else and I know exactly where it was taken – to me, even if I could go into that spot and a similar subject would come in that similar light, it was like, well, then there is, it's not my shot yeah. because I didn't come up with it. So if you have, I feel like if a photographer has this dream shot, it's like they envision this, it's probably because they saw it somewhere else and right. then it's not really theirs. And to me, that's important is that it's really something that happens spontaneously. It, there is ser- there is preparation, vision, preparation, and serendipity. Those are the three elements that are kind of going to come into play. And uh, so I always want to be surprised. So right. no, there is no shot that I, that I envision that I want to take because I haven't seen it yet. Good answer. Um, so when, when you're shooting, just some, some technical stuff, are you uh, cranking up the ISO fast shutter speed so that there is no room for error, so that you, you know you're going to nail the shot? Are you shooting manual or, like, ha- how, are you, how are you getting your off the hip? Like, how do you focus you you have to let the camera do a lot of the work because you don't have much time. If you go into full manual, you're going to miss a lot of shots on the right. street because the camera can do a lot of the thinking for you. Not the thinking, but the settings for you. I let the ISO do whatever it wants. Uh, so I, auto ISO. Yeah, auto ISO. I let it go to 6400 because I never know. I'm going to walk into a super dark church and yeah. photograph people in there and I'm going to be in bright sun. So I don't have time to worry about my ISO. Uh, I shoot mostly in aperture priority. Right. I limit I limit my shutter speed to a, a, a low, like with the Fuji camera. I can say auto ISO, but don't go below 1 250th, for example. Right. It will override that if it needs to, but um, that will assure me that, you know, I'm going to freeze motion. But yep. th- those are settings I'm going to adjust, you know, as I go, because sometimes I want motion blur. So yep. then I'm going to slow down my shutter speed. But uh, as a general rule, and I, I let the... I. I autofocus. I don't zone focus. A lot of street photographers do. I just don't like it. Right. I I use the autofocus. It's so fast. Yeah. Um it's faster than I can do it manually too. <laughs> that's that's one thing that my camera is quicker at focusing and sharper than my eyes are. Uh so I let it do the autofocus. So yeah, it's really 
and I play with exposure compensation a lot because I shoot a lot of I play with bright light and really deep shadows a lot and I like my shadows to be deep I don't want to see details in the shadows because ah. you know it, it, it ruins the mood and so there's nothing that irks me more than to see like night shots where there's so much detail in the shadows that you wonder if it actually is nighttime or daytime right. you know let the shadows be really deep that yeah. is you know black and white really deep shadows is wonderful blood highlights it doesn't matter ah. especially behind a silhouette because yeah. distractions behind your silhouettes are going to be just as distracting as if they were in front of it. So blow out highlights if it's going to make your silhouette more dramatic and 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 stronger. So, you know, I play with exposure compensation. It's probably the dial that gets the most workout in a day. Right. When you're – so you'll see a scene, okay? How many frames are you taking? Is it one? Is it five? It, okay. it, it depends. Uh, that's, another, that's another thing. You know, if I'm in a place where I'm waiting for the – you know, the perfect subject, and I know I'm not going to be back at that spot in a long time, maybe ever, I will go into burst mode. Right. Yet, I never find the same satisfaction. If I get the right, the, the right stepping, the right motion, the right emotion, whatever it is in a burst mode, yeah, I mean, nobody knows, nobody needs to know, nobody cares but me. But... <laughs> It's about my own satisfaction. The shots, my favorite shots have always been the shots that have been shot in one frame. Wow. It's getting that because you get more satisfaction. You get the exact right stepping, for example, uh, gesture in one frame versus a series of six. Yeah, the, there is more merit to the photographer. And to me, that's a personal thing. Uh, a lot of photographers will tell you, who cares? Nobody knows but you. I said, but yeah, but that's all that matters is that I know. And I don't care what other people know. I just, to me, I don't get as much satisfaction. So that's kind of a personal thing. So, but I do shoot in burst mode uh, a lot when I, of course, I mean, I'm not crazy. This is going to save the shot, especially if I, this is the one shot of a, of a lifetime potentially. Yeah. I'm yeah, right yeah, place, yeah. perfect light. And wow, the perfect subject is just coming up those steps. Yeah, I'll put it into burst mode because I sure don't want to miss that shot. And usually in a series, only one will work. And that's also, you know, that's why I tell my students. Sometimes the exercise is to recognize which one actually works. And, and yeah. it's not always obvious to beginner photographers which yeah. one is the strongest in a series. So mm. I think I already know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. So is there, for you, is there an ultimate, like if I was to say, okay, you can only ever shoot in one place for the rest of your life, one city with one lens, Okay. Where would it be? Uh, that would be Paris with right. a 23 millimeter lens. That's it. Hands down. Yeah. I mean, as and, although I love, I love New York, I love Rome, yeah. but I'd be happy to be in Paris for the rest of my life. Yeah. Perfect. Um, I think that's a good way to end it. I did want to uh, like. I think I'm going to buy myself a uh, a mirrorless uh, for me. And uh, the, so the lag on the shutter is that does that exist anymore? Because that's that I, I tried one. Uh, I have to say a couple of years ago, and there was a lag. So when I took the shot, there was like a little bit of a lag between taking the sh you know pushing the shutter and the, the shutter going. Is that gone? So is it instant now? Yes. I mean, I, I, uh, 
I remember too when you know I didn't jump on the mirrorless system right away either, um, and I was completely happy with my Canon, and it was wonderful, wonderful camera. Um, and I, that was one of the things I had tried one camera, and I don't remember what brand it was at the time, but um, they've gone, they've come a long ways. You know, I I really don't think you can you can experience uh, that with. I mean, I'm, I can't talk about other brands because I've, I've been shooting Fuji only for several years now. But mm. no, there is it, it's about as quick as it's going to be. And uh, I'm, I haven't shot any DSLR for so long now, so it's hard to compare now. But yeah, I feel like, you know, if if the X100F, um, it's probably become the favorite for street photographers all over the world, uh, you know, probably next to a Leica. And mm. I feel that, you know, it's, uh, yes, er, the ultimate, supposedly the ultimate street photographer's camera is a Leica. That's because that's what Cartier-Bresson yeah. was shooting with. Uh, there there really isn't much difference between the, those two cameras. Definitely not the price difference and dif- and and difference between the 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 two bodies but um and so yeah if a leica makes you go out more because you're excited that it's a leica then get a leica if you can afford it um the fuji i think has become probably the street photographer's favorite camera and i don't think it would be that if there was any lag or if it you know slowed anybody down so yeah i think you you're pretty safe with that one for sure but then again i don't try a whole lot a lot of cameras. Um, I also shoot with the X70 occasionally, which is also yeah. a f- completely silent camera. And the reason why those two are completely silent and not very many cameras can be completely silent is because it's a leaf shutter in the lens. Right. So the other Fujis, although they have a silent mode, are not quite as silent, like the X-Pro2 or the X-T2. They're not completely silent like the like the X100 series or the X70. So uh, I think for a street photographer who wants to get close, uh, not only you have to get close because you're shooting with a wide angle mm. and, uh, and you have a camera that is completely silent. No, no beep, no light, no sound, no shutter sound, nothing. Even when you're on burst mode, you can't hear it. So uh, I think it's a it's a great tool for sure. I mean, it's all about getting the right tool for the right job. Yeah, and I, and I think even like I'm a big fan of using smartphones as cameras mm-hmm. as well and also just to keep your eye in to see the shot. So if you've got that in your pocket, just do like five minutes a day and you're going to improve your photography because you're always – like if you set a target, to just get one shot a day you're looking for that shot all day and that's got to be a good thing oh it's it's great and and no matter what you know you learn it doesn't mm. matter if you get the shot or not sometimes you just say oh i just missed that shot yeah. well you saw it you know and not everybody can say that so you learn something and no matter what you shoot whether you shoot for uh for for a living or doing street photography will make you a better photographer because it is so difficult. You have to think so quickly that no matter what, it's going to make you 
an overall better photographer. Uh, that's fantastic. So from now on, when I go out, there's going to be a little voice in my head before I take some street photography. I'm going to take your tips now. Before I take a shot, I'm going to say, what would Valerie do? And then <laughs> I take the shot and you should get a T-shirt printed with that on it. What would Valerie do? I think hey, it'd be that's great. An idea. It's an uh, idea. You can have much. that. <laughs> I, so, mean, I have a T-shirt store actually for my podcast. I'm Oh, you should like. Uh, so, what's on the front is your logo from the podcast. Is that right? Yes. So, hit the streets uh, with Valerie Jardin, which yeah. is a fan, one in the back. fantastic. And then on the back, what would uh, you could just have <laughs> WWVD on the yeah. back, and only people that are in would know. And it could be a would hashtag. Know. You could have it as a hashtag as well. Oh, you're full of good ideas. Oh. <laughs> but that's like I've got you in my head now when I go out and it's like you've set me the, the, you've set the bar very high because I am a shoot long, um, shoot lots. I would put a person walking through the shot because that's my commercial background. And yeah. now – because on this interview, I'm going to go, right, well, Valerie doesn't do that. I'm not doing that. I can't be. I'm not a real street photographer. It's cheating. It's cheating, and I don't want to cheat. So, like, ch- ch- challenge accepted. I will go out and awesome. WWVD uh, is, is my mantra from now on. So, um, so before we go, Valerie, you've got, like, have you you've got a, a few books out at the moment? Is that right? Or you are about to well, launch? Yes, I have two ebooks out. Actually, the, the one just released uh, this week, and uh, I have a street photography book that I released last year: Street Photography for Steps and Beyond. Yep. It's an ebook. Uh, I just released the Art of Seeing Photographically, and it's about all photography, not just not just street photography. It's really yep. about seeing and and putting more intent in your photography to make more uh, impactful photographs and the big book the exciting book that will be released with uh, focal press rutledge new york uh is street photography creative vision behind the lens it's actually on pre-order on amazon and um it's going to be released uh september maybe late september we're not quite sure it's in print right now so until it's printed i can't really tell but i will be signing copies at photo plus expo at the javits center in new york in october i'm excited about that and Fantastic. I will also be speaking for Fuji at that time. So. What's the book about? That did the big book is it? Your- well, it, part part one is really a. Um, it's part one is about street photography, how to, and that's a small part of the book. And then the the core of the book, part two, is uh, is a series of over a hundred photographs and what was going on in my head for each one of them. So it's really being in my head as I saw the shot, how I approached it until I shot it Um, from the emotion to the, you know, the technique I used and so forth. So I think that's really something that hasn't been done much. And that's, that's the one thing I'm most excited about because, um, I think it's important, and and uh, although it's a it's a different way of teaching, but I think people can learn a lot from from that. So you have the photograph, and then like um, like a, a big paragraph on the 
the creative vision behind it. Fantastic. And then so you've got your uh, workshops all around the world. So it's basically mm-hmm. pick a city, really, that you, you just close <laughs> by and, uh, and WWVD will be there. Uh, in a city coming, you know. So I'm going to be seeing these T-shirts all over the world. And so, yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, I'll put all the uh, links to all of those uh, in the show notes. And, um, yeah, so I, you know, urge everyone to go have a look, have a look at your work because it is beautiful and very inspiring. And, um, Valerie, thank you so much for taking thank the time you. today. I'm so inspired. I'm going to go out now and shoot one frame. That's awesome. Uh, So uh, enjoy your Monday. Thanks. Thank you. Well, there you go, Valerie Jardin. That's fantastic. I think her stuff, I mean, go to her website. It's Valerie Jardin Photography and Jardin is spelled J-A-R-D-I-N, ValerieJardinPhotography.com and her stuff is awesome. It's just really cool street photography. It's so striking. I absolutely love it. Yeah. And Fantastic. it's so like she's so like she's up over people's shoulders shooting and they've got no idea. And you know what? I did it in a lift today. I had a go with my oh. iPhone because it's like I don't get as close as she does. And I'm thinking yeah. I'm gonna have a go, I'm gonna have a go at this. And I did it and honestly, I'm like, oh my god, I'm gonna get caught, I'm gonna get caught, <laughs> I'm gonna get caught. So respect, Valerie. Uh it's uh yeah, such a, a, a cool skill to be able to pull so that off and what not were get you busted. doing in the lift Do, exactly? Tell me, I don't uh, understand. What were you how, doing exactly? I wanted – there was a guy who got into the lift who just had the best outfit on, like he had a snappy little hat and a jacket. He was dressed like it was, uh, you know, the 1940s. And I'm like, I just wanted to get a photo of him and it was like a crowded lift. And I'm like, I'm going to pretend with my iPhone that I'm just <laughs> listening to music and I'm going to try. And then I just got really paranoid <laughs> and, I'm like, and I took one and I'm like, do people see when you take – Take a photo that it like the the, the screen changes. Are they going to know? Because I was using my buds. I had my buds in my ears, mm. earbuds, and I was using the um the volume control. You can use that to take mm. a photo. But then I got paranoid, Val. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So did anyone notice? Well, I don't. Well, someone there was a lot of side eye going on, and it's probably because I just looked so <laughs> dodgy the whole time. So. <laughs> Side eye. That's hilarious. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I'm going to try that actually. Um, because I Sneaky. always forget. No, I always forget that you can use your your volume control. Yeah. As, 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 yeah. I always forget. So I, I need to do that more often. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Fantastic. Well, absolutely fantastic interview with Valerie. I think all Valeries are cool, really. I've not I met reckon. a Valerie that I don't like, so yeah, I guess so. And and also, uh, I think you should get the T-shirt that we talked about the, with the uh, uh, the hashtag. What would Valerie do on the back? You could wear her T-shirt as well because that, that was like a the suggestion I made to Valerie. Get that out there. Hashtag WWVD. I love it. Okay, yes. what would Valerie do? Hashtag. Okay, you know what we haven't had in a while, Gina. We we need to reinstate the hashtag Gina challenge. Well, we've got Why it did... today, Val. We've got oh, it. Oh, really? 
Okay, so what's hashtag Gina challenge for this week? Now, if you're new to us, we usually have every week hashtag Gina challenge where we think of a particular topic or theme or subject or, you know, something like that. And uh, everyone interprets that however they like and they upload their photos based on that theme or topic. And the place to upload them is the Facebook group. So all you need to do is search for So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community on Facebook. We'd love to have you in there. And that's where we share our photos and also uh, just hang out and and, and chat about uh, all things to do with photography. So what is hashtag Gina challenge this week, Gina? Well, I'm big on whenever you want to do something, find the person who is the best at that and channel them to, to right, to get good at oh, it. Yes. So that's why I'm bringing you all these interviews. I'm finding the people who are, you know, the some of the best in the world at what they do. So now I said to Valerie, whenever I do street photography, I'm going to have the mantra running through my head is what would Valerie do here? Yes. And so the hashtag for this week is hashtag WWVD. What love it. Valerie do. What would Valerie do? And of course, this Valerie is Valerie Chardin, not Valerie do. <laughs> and then you could think of like if you were using applying the hashtag to Valerie Koo, God <laughs> knows what we're gonna get back. As uh you can you can pick your choice. You can have two hashtags. What would Valerie Koo do? What would Valerie Chardin do? But it's like I'm gonna get a lot of cat photos if it's what would yeah. Valerie Koo do. That's right. That's right. All right. We're really looking forward to seeing your images. And uh, in the meantime, we've come to the end of this week's episode. Where do we find you online, Gina? You can find me at ginamilitia.com. That's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. And then I'm at Gina Militia on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and Gina Militia on YouTube. Lots of uh, Lightroom tutorials and Photoshop tutorials uh, weekly there, Val. Fantastic. You'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram. And, of course, I'm also in the podcast community on Facebook or feel free to connect with me on Facebook anyway. I'm the Valerie Koo that lives in Sydney. So thanks so much for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit ginamilitia.com.